Mooncast. On today, I've got uh, Lauren and Chris from Dicing with Life, and we're going to have what I hope is a very rambly conversation about Moonstone. So, hi guys. Hello. Hello. Well, hopefully, we've got a good enough line. Sometimes Skype doesn't record that that well, but we'll just do the best we can. Um, so, uh, we've got. I've explained. Well, I was talking to Chris and uh, Lauren before we started recording, but um, I've got a list of topics that we may or may not cover. Uh, but it's very much going to be a conversation, not an interview. So we'll go on. Like, I, I'm, I'm hoping several tangents. Um, and we'll obviously talk about your your videos and things. And you, you feel free to do as many shameless plugs of Dyson with Life as you like. Okay. <laughs> Every possible moment, that's absolutely fine. Um, so we'll start with, and this is something I often ask people that come on the podcast, is because I think it's quite interesting to know what people played before they got into Moonstone. Um, so what what other tabletop games or board games or computer games did you did you two play before you discovered Moonstone? Oh, or are still playing? Um, pretty much all of them. To be honest. <laughs> um, so my focus was on uh, because I was running the board game club anyway. I was having to uh, show people a whole range of games and have a really in depth knowledge of them. But I suppose the ones that I enjoyed the most uh, were sort of in depth strategy games. So the sort of things that would last you an evening rather than just the quick ones. Cool. I think Chris, Chris is a bit different. Yeah, so um, I started off um, probably when I was about 13 or 14, started playing uh, Warhammer. Um, played that for a few years and then sort of didn't like the direction the game went. Um, so I ended up putting it down. Uh, many years later, uh, my friend introduced me to a game called uh, Hordes by Privateer Press. Um, yeah. So yeah, we got into that in a in a real real big way. Um, and then I was started to play uh, things like Pathfinder, the RPG. Uh, fell in love with that. Become a games master very quickly. Started getting into all skirmish games, um, skirmish board games. Um, so uh, like things like Zombicide. Uh, Conan, Dark Souls, uh, anything where you just like have something you get to crush enemies basically, yeah. uh, collect loot, dungeoning, like dungeon, that sort of stuff. Uh, but play a lot of different board games as well. Um, yeah, pretty much, pretty much anything, but it's got to have, um, have a sort of excitement to it, um, I guess. Um, I don't like games where you waiting for one particular thing to happen round after round. I'd like to be able to do something every turn. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I think I think um if you ask most people like how do you get into games, they'll they'll say, Oh yeah, around about the age of twelve I got into Warhammer. Um yeah. <laughs> um I mean mo most people at some point have, have introduced themselves to Games Workshop. It's well, particularly now it's almost impossible to avoid, isn't it? But yeah. um and I don't think there's the reason why you should try and avoid it necessarily. Um, you know, they, they, they are, they make some exceptionally good models and, and things, but, um, and actually sometimes I think that the growth, the growth, the, the exceptional growth of Games Workshop in the last few years, although it's good for that company, it's actually good for gaming in general. Um, I mean, I think that for some smaller companies, 
Um, I think so. Things like Guild Ball. Did you have any ideas how to play Guild Ball? Uh, I've not not played it actually. Um, have some beautiful miniatures to it though. Um, seen a lot of them painted on Instagram. Yeah, I think like like I I got into Guild Ball in a big way when it when it pretty much when it first came out, and they had the advantage I think of releasing about the point when Games Workshop was going through one of its worst phases um, of sales um, and a lot of people were leaving, well, people were flooding out of Games Workshop basically and trying to look for something else to play and therefore Guild Ball was doing quite well because a lot of people went to play that instead and I think things like Privateer Press did quite well and Malifaux, some of those other slightly bigger companies started to do quite well. Uh, Moonstone came, came a bit later but I think that actually what helped is that a lot of people had been searching for these, had found these other new games, and realised that Games Workshop's not the only way to go. So they they never happened to find games like Moonstone. So um, yeah, totally. most most people who've listened to any po- podcast or the games will know how I got into Moonstone. But how did you guys discover the game in the first place? Um, well, we went to Tabletop Gaming Live. Yeah, it was in uh, September, wasn't it? Yeah, September, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we were just walking along, seeing what they had to offer, just buying bits and pieces, um, and uh, we walked past. Um, we thought it was uh, a terrain place at first, which we was going to check out later because they had this really uh, beautiful table, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, like, uh, with the airship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the, the miniatures were so small, like. Like, we were just walking past. I didn't even realise it was uh, an actual game. I thought it was just like a bit of scenery. So I was just like, oh, I'll go check that out in a bit. Like, want to go get this um, Dark Souls uh, add-on. Um, went and grabbed that. And, yeah, yeah when, then when we headed back there and realised that it wasn't just more scenery. It was actually a really cool game. Um, yes, yeah, so we actually looked at the miniatures and the ones that were painted, I just I couldn't believe it. Um, like Diana was the first one I think that really uh, grabbed me um, and then I discovered um, one of the guys who was actually Tom uh, he'd actually painted it himself and I was just like oh my goodness like this is ridiculous like um, really really nice and then um, I really liked uh, uh, looking at Billy as well that was really nice as well just like a gnome riding a goat it was just Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> not, not any goat, a goat with enormously large testicles hanging out the back. Oh, yeah, I, I was going to mention that. That's not. Um, I'm really looking forward to painting them testicles. If I'm <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the thing. And actually, that 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 board that, that we've used at demos before, because I've, I've been to uh, salute with them. Uh, I went with them to the Games Expo the first year and a couple of other events. Um, and that that board with the huge like cliff up one side and the river and stuff, um, that has attracted so many people to come over to the stands because you can see it from so far away and it looks amazing. They come over and then you get them into the game. Um, I think that board obviously costs quite a lot to get made, but I think it's probably made back its money um, just in the appeal. Um, it's quite a fun. It's a it's a fun board to play to play a fun game on. It's quite a hard board to play a competitive game on because there's quite a narrow area to play on. And I I, I don't play it anymore because it was, it was when Tom came to an event in in Norwich called Dicini, and um, he he stayed at my house. And then in the evening we played a game on that board and we recorded it. And I kept breaking bits of it. <laughs> oh, so, I, I don't want to play on it anymore. I kept breaking the icicles on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nudging him. I was like, Tom, I can't play on this anymore. I keep breaking stuff. 
yeah, no, it's a it's a good board. Um, so tabletop is that the tabletop live? Is that in London? Uh, no, no, uh, it's in. It was, wasn't it? Was Alexandria? Was it? No, it was. Yeah, sorry, I go to so many of these events. <laughs> that was Alexandria, yeah, yeah. I couldn't get to that one. Um, um, yeah, no. The first time I, the first time I actually met, I met Tom at all was at the Games Expo two years ago, now possibly three years ago. Um, and then I stayed with him in a hotel for three days and and, and demoed a lot of Moonstone. Uh, it was good. It was good. It was a good time. I do like this. Oh, you cut out a bit. <laughs> oh, oh, you're back. Yeah, I lost uh, for a second. I think it was my my Wi-Fi dropped out for a second to come back again. Um, it's probably recorded what I just said, but you probably didn't hear what I just said. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll repeat it anyway. So, I just say that like I do do like going to those gaming conventions and just seeing what's out there. Um, I haven't actually bought that many other games while I've been there, but it's usually because I've been doing stuff with Moonstone. But um, it is it is fun to see other games. Um, it's a good day out. Um, cool. So I get the the next one. The next thing I was gonna I've got down on my list is is a potentially quite a big one. But um, once you'd did so did, did 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 Tom demo the game to you to have interest when you were there? Uh, no, we we didn't have much time left. Unfortunately. We didn't. No, it was towards the end of the day. Um, but we were sold. I mean, as soon as I heard there was goblins, and I was kind of sold. Yeah, I was. So yeah, sorry. He he sort of talked us through uh, a little bit about how it worked, but we we were just like, yeah, we'll t we're going to take this, we'll take the starter set and a couple of extra bits, and go home and figure it out for ourselves, which will be cool. exciting. Yeah, so um, yeah, I just looked at the fairies and was just like, I, I want to be a part of this immediately. Like I've always had a bit of a soft spot for. Um, uh, armies with that natural kind of look and just the way they looked was uh, really amazing to me um, the other thing that really sold it um, and I'm really sorry I can't remember the guy's name I'm really sorry whoever this is but there was a, another guy with Tom uh, I think he was shorter and maybe wearing glasses and Tom was literally just saying whimsical as much as he could to me the word whimsical and this other guy was just clearly being irritated by it and that in itself was just like I want in like <laughs> this guy is representing this guy. I want in. <laughs> probably, I imagine that was Richie. He, he he writes a lot of the narrative. Well, he, he wrote most of the narrative in the first book, and he's in charge of the narrative side of things. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Interestingly, it was the fairies that originally attracted me to the game as well. So I um, I backed the original Kickstarter of the main game, and I I backed it when I hadn't even didn't know what the game was, I just backed it when I saw those fairies and was like, yep, I want that. I just, I just want those models. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's interesting because with the fairies, they, because obviously they're on the really cool scenic bases, um, which are there completely, obviously intentionally, but the, the, the reason they're there is because the fairy models are so small. If you just stuck them on a base by themselves, they would look so tiny on yeah. a board that they could be, they'd, they'd get swallowed up by it. So that's why they're on those scenic bases. Um, Oh, it really adds to them though, like really does does add to them. And um, even like fiddling around with the bases a little bit when they have the trees in as well, it makes it really, really, uh, really nice actually. Um, a lot of stuff you can do with them. 
yeah. There's, there's a lot of additional, additional modeling opportunities with, with them. Yeah. Um, and I, I've modeled some mushrooms on, on mine, on some of mine and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the, 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 fair, the fairies are, are, are often, like, I, th I think they probably sell best out of all the models that are in the range. Because mm. um, even people don't buy the main game and just, and just, just like, because occasionally at, at conventions you get people saying, no, I, I just want to paint models. I'm like, right, we'll paint some fairies then because they're amazing. Yeah. And they usually go, they, they usually go away with a couple boxes of fairies because there's not really, I can't, I don't, I have not seen any other model companies making models like the fairies. Um, I mean, there are people that make decent human models and goblins and and things, but you don't. I don't see fairies like that. No, there's um, like a few um, uh, companies that do uh, miniatures for RPGs who have uh, fairies, but they haven't quite got this uh, particular uh, fairy sort of look to them. They they're just vicious looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, spiteful, charming, but just just vicious. Not like evil, but like even in RPGs, this is how they're portrayed. That they're oh yeah, they can be nice, but you mess around with these, and like they they're gonna <laughs> you know, they're gonna break all your equipment and give you a horrible time and rot all of your food, and you're gonna starve and be out in the middle of nowhere and. They have that much more feel to them in, in this game, which is completely yeah, definitely. Um, and like the, like the, yeah, like the, the fairies in Moonstage, like they're they're not they're not evil. They just think they're better than everyone else. So, <laughs> so, so, so they just they look at every other race like they're inferior. So they're not evil. They're just incredibly um, snotty and <laughs> arrogant. Yeah, yeah, uh, and obviously very very tricksy. And I think that. Um, that's one of the things I think I, I was I really enjoy about fairies in particular is you might not win every game, but there's not a bet there's not many troops that are better for screwing over your opponent. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean uh, that's um, a lot of the time when I know I'm not going to win, which is a lot of the time with fairies. I'm just like, you know what? Then it's going to be like this, <laughs> and uh, I will just. Um, just hassle my opponent so much and especially when you have like the whole uh, bluff list like the fairy bluff list like either way something terrible might happen to them and you just see the stress on their face and it's just almost worth losing just to get the saltiness out of them I guess. <laughs> Some of the nasty stuff I've managed to achieve with fairies in the past has been just yeah. I think one of my I've mentioned this one before but one of my favorite ones I've ever had is I used Silver Tongue to um, make Graddock cast forgetfulness on Quarrel. Because <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't get to Quarrel to make him fire his crossbow at someone, but I could make him forget how to use it by by making by making Graddock do it. Yeah, it's just um, it's just dirty. Like, it really, is dirty. <laughs> um, they, they, they are quite hard. I think they are. They can be quite hard to win with. I mean, I've. Um, I, I won a tournament, my, my, a bit embarrassingly, my own tournament with them. Um, <laughs> but I think a part of the reason why I won it is because I, I played it, that tournament, which was like, feels like ages ago now, but it was when Diana had only just come out for retail. Mm. And a lot, anyone who hadn't backed the original Kickstarter didn't really know what she could do. Um, and obviously she can do an absolutely horrific amount of damage if you're not careful. And just a in most games, she killed at least two people, if not three, by herself. Wow. Um, 
And like the guy I faced in the final, he, he was using human, and he was a good player. And I've, I've played him a lot in Guildball. He's a really nice bloke called Ed. And he his basic tactic and the rest of it had been charge Fritz up the middle and murder stuff. He tried to do the same thing. He charged Fritz up the middle, and I got the beginning of turn two, and I killed Fritz in one round with wow. Diana. Because um, I just kept stealing. I, I, stole, I stole all his energy first, and then murdered him with it. <laughs> that's, that's the way to go. It's definitely yeah. the way to go. Right? Um, particularly uh, amazing thing in a game the other day where uh, I used Freya to kill Beast in a single turn. It was just this tiny little fairy who's a healer just ripped apart Beast. Like I think I might have even had one or two energy left to play with after that. <laughs> did, you, did you just fizzle pop him to death then? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was forced to... Uh, keep moving towards me by spending energy or be pushed off the table. Now, so he's close to the edge as well. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Did, did, did you manage to bluff as well, like successfully bluff and get energy back as well? Oh, yeah. That's always, that's always really horrible when you do that. The worst time I've ever done that is I used Fox Club to do it and I'd cast Atrophy and then managed to bluff it and got the energy back again and my opponent almost cried. Yeah, it's uh, particularly hideous, and I think I even got Silver Tongue to give her max energy, bluff while doing it, and then give her more energy on top. And then while she was doing it, she managed to bluff, got caught. Um, I got told I was bluffing when I wasn't, got to do it again anyway. It was just, yeah, it was hideous. <laughs> Absolutely hideous. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's hideous for your opponent. It's lovely for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't always work though. Like, no, it just doesn't. Like, particular things kind of have to happen in order for the fairies to work. And if they don't happen, it's it's very difficult to get the win. Um, that's what I like about them. This is a risk. Yeah, I think because um, I mean we've done a podcast before on like some really strong builds, and there are there is a really strong fairy list which Tom calls the. Um, uh, fairy DPS or damage per second list um, yeah. and it's basically based entirely around all the fairies that can do the most damage and it's just it, it is a bit risky because if, if you don't pull off a couple of arcane spells then you're a bit screwed but um, I think it's Diana, Diana, Foxglove Freya, Gotchka Butterfingers because he's got Fizzlepop as well and I think um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the Fairy again. The one with the little sword. Oh, Fencer. Fencer. Mm -hmm. um, because Diana and Foxglove can just do scenes amounts of damage. Freya can chip away at people. Butterfingers chips away at people. Um, Gotch Gut stops Diana dying. Um, and then if you're not sure, Silvertongue can just... Not Silvertongue. Um, Fencer can just murder someone in combat. Yeah, which is really nice as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically the strategy of kill everyone, kill everyone first, get Moonstone second. Yeah. Um, it kind of has to be the tactic with the fairies anyway, because if you have like a lot of four deep Moonstones, you're generally not going to be able to dig them up. It will take two turns generally to dig them up. So better to let someone else pick them up and destroy them and pick it up yourself. Yeah, that's why the, the, one very useful character that's just been released actually is the um, is Herbert Growbottom in um, in the Rule of Roost box set because he's a fairy, so benefits from all the fairy keywords, but he's not a weakling. Yeah, yeah, I, I, like I say, he's the perfect little uh, 
Moonstone Gatherer and he's got that uh, ability where he can jump to a forest as well within, is it 10 inches or something like that? Yeah, it's 10 inches. Yeah, so he has to be in a forest as well, but he can plant his, I think he's going to be in a forest. I can't remember his ability yeah, now. From one uh, wooded patch to another and he can make his own wooded patch as well. Yeah, he can, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's And also because he, he's also a goblin, so um, you can do some quite fun mixes because there's there's goblins that can give energy to others. So you can bring a goblin that'll give him as much energy, but you can have it as a mainly fairy list still. Um, so he's, he's, he should be quite interesting. He offers something he, he offers something very different that fairies haven't already got, um, which is slightly slightly more durable, um, and can pick up moonstones easily, but still have a lot of energy. Um, so. That was our first tangent. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my next thing is, so you you bought the game without a demo, which is which is brave, um, and then got it home, built the models. How did you find it? When I mean, I mean, you know, anyone that's seen your channel and and heard and seen you on like the Facebook groups know that obviously you both like it. But how did you find it when you first started playing it? Um, well, I think the the first challenge was actually to build the models in the first place. Uh, so. Um, we're used to being together a variety of models, but these ones can be quite fiddly. Um, the sculpts were all really beautiful, though, so we kind of forgive it that because I don't think there's a single model um, from Moonstone that I actually don't like. I can't think of one at all. It's all yeah. of them are beautiful. And so, and so we kind of wanted to take our time to put everything together and make sure that it was as perfect as it could be. Um, and then when we got uh, stuck into playing, um, it was just really fun. Um, I think we hadn't appreciated how random it would be. Um, so you can't really, with, with the system um, for combat as it is, you can't really always tell which way things are going to go, which is a bit different to a lot of the other games that we're playing. And you could have this kind of plan up your sleeve of what's going to happen and it just gets completely cancelled out by a random move that your opponent makes. Uh, that you weren't expecting at all. So I think the randomness and the the kind of differentness of it to other games was, was one of the things that hit hits first off. Yeah, yeah it has it has a very unique combat and and sort of spell system. Um, I think it's one of the things that will hopefully make the game last. Um, so did you play with the starter set miniatures first, or did you break out with the fairy straight away? Uh, I think we started with we three player to start off with. So, because um, we live in a house with uh, two other gamers, so we play a lot of three and four player games. Yeah. Um, so I think we had uh, goblins, humans, and I think we got some gnomes, didn't we? Gnomes to yeah. start off with. Yeah. Yeah, gnomes, and uh, yeah, we just swapped them around and like try tried them all out basically, gave them a little test, um, and then just started adding. Um, uh, yeah, and as soon as I got sort of fairies, I've, I've, to be honest, I've not played uh, much else um, because uh, I just want to like finesse, finesse them a little bit. Um, but I think the next ones I'm really going to look at playing is probably uh, Lesher Vault, I would say. Um, yeah. Well, if you, if, if you can master fairies, Lesher Vault will seem easy in comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, I was saying that, though, um, I, there are some... Uh, tricksy things about them as well that you would that have to sort of like dig dig deep for like in terms of strategy yeah i mean with, with, with lesher vault order activation um is very important with lesher vault 
um, because you've got all those, you've got a lot of characters that have an ability that costs more than the energy they start with. So it's fine. It's often you've got to make a decision about who you're going to give that energy to um, and how you're going to give it to them. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm exactly the same as you, to be honest. Interestingly, I started with fairies, and now I now I'm onto Leshevolt mainly. I mean, obviously, I haven't played for a long time because of lockdown, but Leshevolt had become probably my favourite to play with. Um, interestingly, before before lockdown, me and Jack were playtesting the the fawns as well. So the, the, there's the three fawns that were in the Leshevolt Kickstarter, but there's three more fawns that will be coming out quite soon. Um, Hoff, Jada, and Mister Toodle. Yeah, that's been um, very naughty. <laughs> um, and Jack played a couple of games in a row using the, 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 the sort of those six fairies, or, or with Boris in there as well. And I hadn't actually appreciated how, I, I, it, it, on, if you look at each each fawn by themselves, they look like they're a little bit weak. But when you bring them as a whole troop, um, they're they're pretty nasty. They're they're really quite nasty. Um, I mean, everyone knows Boris is pretty nasty, but. Um, yeah, we've had a few run-ins with him, haven't we? Yeah, he, he, uh, he stresses me out as a fairy player. Like, um, I just find him so irritating. Like, always can uh, tie you up. So it's, you know, you spend all your energy getting out of combat with these rabbits or you get into combat with him and he's got all these murder bunnies aiding him and um, and he's got the jackalopes and all of a sudden a bunch of fairies got to deal with the jackalope. It's just like... I find him a real headache, if I'm honest. Like, I understand uh, how to defeat him, but I still have not. <laughs> I'm really ashamed of myself. And we've really been yeah. trying because we've had a lot of three and four play games uh, where one of our housemates has played, played oh. him. He, he is quite hard to deal with. You have to know, you have to know what you're going to do with him. Um, I mean, one thing that I pretty much never do is ever call a bluff because I never want it. I never wanted to <laughs> one buddy at once. <laughs> Um, but he is quite. I mean, w- with him, you have to you have to try and ignore the bunnies and go straight after him if you can, uh, which is not easy. But because he can hide behind that screen of bunnies. Um, I mean, really, with fairies, probably the best way to get rid of him is to try and get Belladonna close as possible because she can kill him in just one go. Um, that's what it's charging. Yeah. Okay, we need to get a laptop stand for it. Let's uh, circulate. All connection with each other there. I don't know why. Oh no, no. yeah. Um, I don't. Neither. It's been about 10, 15 minutes trying to get the connection back, and neither of us know why it stopped. I think Skype. Well, Lauren's idea was that Boris had just interfered, which is probably the most logical solution. To be honest, he <laughs> didn't like what we were saying about him. So we're not going to pick up where we just were because I don't really remember what we we're talking about. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to the next next thing instead. Um, so you don't have to pick one because the range is big enough now; it's hard to do this. But uh, let's say you could pick two or three of your what would be your two or three favourite characters each. Even that's uh, a little bit tricky, really. Um... I probably one that really gets me, I guess, is um, Belladonna. This the sheer beauty of that model. Um, the fact it's like an orchid um, is it, just such a beautiful model, and the way it works um, 
very much like uh, nature, I guess. It's, it's so fitting for how devastating she can be, but how fragile as well. Um, I really like her. Um, the fact you can just sacrifice her to get rid of something you don't like as well is just absolutely um, horrific. Um, ribald or ribald, I guess, uh, is another another big favourite of mine. Uh, just this troll with a goblin riding his back with a cannon. It's just like so comical and uh, brilliant. Um, I don't know, the last one, I don't know, oh, it's so <laughs> difficult. Uh, last one is going to be Dim and Dimmer, Bristle Nose and the Witches. Last <laughs> 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 oh, one, I'm going to stop talking because uh, <laughs> the list is just so high for so many different reasons as well, like playing with them and aesthetically and yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. yeah, I suppose it really depends on how you define it because I like different models for different reasons and I think it kind of depends who you're playing against and what size troop you're playing as well and like the synergies between the characters so in terms of looks I really like uh, the fire spitter and uh, I enjoy playing with him as well a lot he's one of my favorites to play with too but you have to have him in the right list and um, I really like Shabaroon but kind of in conjunction with uh, Grub so you can be do this kind of wormholing and transcombobulating around the boards which can be quite interesting yeah. uh, I really like how smiley uh, El Capitano is. That just cracks me up every time I see that. <laughs> he's very smug, isn't he? He's very yeah. smug. He just looks so pleased with himself. And it just makes me feel like, yeah, he's going to do something really good this game, which sometimes he does. Um, and even if he doesn't, he's still out there having fun doing whatever he's doing. So I really like that one. Um, I mean, you can probably uh, tell from the things that I'm saying that goblins are really my favourite thing in Moonstone. Um, I've just got the latest, the, the Rule the Roost box, so I'm wondering if my favourites might actually get replaced because I'm really looking forward to playing with the Goblin King and the Mortician um, and Herbert Growbottom, that's if I get to, because I think Chris has got his eye on <laughs> that one for the fairies, so... Shit. <laughs> 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 oh, you have to fight for that one. Um, you can buy the model separately, so maybe, maybe you have to get your own one by itself. Yeah. Oh, well, I've been waiting excitedly for this to come into stock, so I think at the moment it's like there's a bit of a feud going on, like a good-natured one about who gets to play with which, which characters until we can get another another set. Yeah, oh, that's going to be a tough one. Um, yeah, the, 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 the Goblin King, I mean, the, the model looks just fantastic. Um, and it, and he, he's the... He's the the, the Goblin King is another one of those characters that really epitomises what Moonstone is about, I think. Like, he just looks ridiculous with his silly chicken hat on. Yeah. <laughs> Massive belly. And he's basically like a pretend Goblin King. He's actually really weak. All the goblins think he's really impressive. Um, but at the same time, he's holding this massive scepter that will just bash your face in at the same time. So it's like that, that, really, that really fun juxtaposition between... Actually, he's really nasty and killy and also looks absolutely ridiculous at the same time. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, really, 
I, I, I mean, I, I've, well, I've helped playtest most, most of the characters, and he's, um, he was a fun one to playtest. He's horrible to play against. Um, him, him, if you have the Goblin King, the Mortician, Shabaroon, Beaky, Ribold, and then probably Doug. You can take the Fire Spitter as well if you want to be really nasty, but that just feels really mean. That's a really horrible list, though, because even if Ribold dies... You just bring him back again yeah. with the mortician. And then the Goblin King can give him the energy again. And it's just like, oh. oh. Yeah, when you're playing against that list, you have to just try your hardest to kill the mortician first. Otherwise, it just feels pointless. Well, it just brings them all back. It is. <laughs> the, uh, the thing I'm really looking forward to trying is uh, sacrificing Belladonna with her catastrophe and then bringing her back and doing it again. Yeah, even as I'm describing it, I just imagining my uh, opponent's frustration and then just think yeah. off of it already. <laughs> you can do it with the fire spitter as well, though. If the fire spitter gets low on health, you can transcribe him into the middle. Actually, that gives him his health back, doesn't it? Well, you, you, you can blow him up, yeah, by using to make him have a catastrophe and then to bring him back again afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he asked, he asked. The, the, the only thing you have to be careful with the, with the mortician thing because like obviously he, he can bring someone back but you can only ever really bring back one person um, and what I've done before is I've tried to do that kind of that kind of list where I just sort of suicide bomb a couple of characters and then I failed to bring one of them back because I didn't get the right card and suddenly I'm absolutely screwed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fun when it, when it I did. I have played a game before where I had Shabaroon. I think it's on, I think it's on the channel somewhere. Shabaroon, Ribald, the Goblin King, Mortician, Doug, and I'm and and I think and I didn't bring Beaky because I had the Mortician. I had someone else, and I think I end. I think I ended the game with all of them still alive on virtually full health because I kept bringing them all back again. Um, it was just horrible. Um, but yeah, the, uh, yeah, it's 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 getting harder and harder and harder. Like when the when the models first came out with the first Kickstarter, when all you could get was the first six fairies, the first six humans, gnomes, and goblins. It was quite easy to kind of choose your favourites and things. But with all the Leshevolt out and with the new humans and the new goblins, it's really hard. Um, Diana was my favourite for a long time, for a really long time. She was my favourite, but. Um, but I also I really like I really like Gertrude and Natty now. Um, yeah. Uh, Gertrude's only really good against fairies, but she is really good against fairies. Um, so if you're ever using Commonwealth and you know you're facing fairies, you, you take Gertrude and it just makes the fairy player just sweat a little bit. Um, oh no, I've got a really uh, nasty tactic for for her. So uh, turns out Wasp is amazing at killing her from from range. Yeah. That, that's, that, that is the best tactic. Wasp and Fence is good at killing her as well. Um, but it, she is quite scary. Um, and I, I really like Natty because um, she's just this tiny little girl, but she's really good. Um, and she's really good against fairies, actually, because she's virtually unkillable for them. Because you stick her in a crowd of people and she's like minus five, so they can't target her with anything. And it costs them an extra energy to do it as well. Um and she, she's a good one against fairies if you're using Commonwealth. I'm trying to give Lauren tips here to beat you with fairies. Yeah. <laughs> thank thanks. you. Yeah, thanks. 
Anything that gets through anything that gets through evade is good. So actually, Grub is quite a good one because his bug spray gets through evade. Um, Dim and Dimmer is another really good one as well, actually, because if you get him into combat with a fairy, they're probably going to die immediately because he'll get his he'll get his signature off and, and just eats them. Yeah. Um, in yeah. one go. Looking forward to giving him a try. We only got uh, only got him a week or two ago so we've just finished building all the new ones so yeah, yeah. he'll be coming out soon <laughs> maybe even tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> i've got one as well uh, munching her goblins as well um the more sneaky goblins because uh yeah things like boom 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 just the fact just remove him immediately just uh really really useful yeah yeah, definitely. He, he's he's pretty nice. He's not. He, he can be good against fairies, but he finds it hard sometimes to get his um, na 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 off with their evade. But um, actually, the, the um, and we've sort of talked about it before on the on the Facebook page um, on the Moonstone group. Sorry, that about the giant list. The giant list is quite good against fairies because they've got so much health. Yeah. Although the fairies, the fairies are often getting the cards they want because of the high evade stats. They've got so much health to try and get through that by the time you've managed to kill one of the giants, you've got three of the other ones in your face. Yeah. Um, um, so they're, they're pretty good. And, they, and they're, they're really good with Daniel because he can do plant the placard and move them all up a bit more. So you can just shuffle them up a bit further every 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 turn. Um, cool. Uh, right, the next one I've got is, it's, it's always a, because I mean, we've mentioned a few bits before, but um, you, no one ever plays Moonstone for too long without having some ridiculously funny moments. Because um, yeah. the, the game is full of funny moments. Um, I wonder if you can, if, if either of you or both of you can think of some particularly memorable things that have happened. I mean, there's been a couple of memorable things I've seen in both your reports, which I've thought are hilarious, but. Um, any, any other ones that you can mention you think that are particularly um pretty funny more than anything <laughs> uh so i had silver tongue um and i was i can't remember what spell i was using uh oh it must have been whispered secrets um and i basically just had all the reds like i had all the reds in my hand like maximum reds and I just knew that my opponent wouldn't have any, so I was just I was just laying down red red ones and saying they were twos and like bluffing, getting extra energy, casting it again. And I was just using the giant to uh, I think batter Baron von Fancy Hat, and just ended up killing him because I had all the reds I, and I just kept uh, I bluffed at first and kept telling the truth. My opponent. Could not believe that I had that many reds. I kept saying I was bluffing, but I wasn't. <laughs> I had them. <laughs> and it was, as it went on, it was just like bluff, do it again, bluff, do it again, bluff, do it. It was just never ending and, and absolutely horrendous. <laughs> A really, uh, really beautiful moment. The the one with uh, I mean Freya killing the beast is just like such a nice thing to happen. I really didn't expect it. Um, I guess just like any time where your really filthy tactics have worked in your favour, 
Uh, <laughs> I really, uh, you get uh, like at least one of those moments in almost every game, I would say. I think a lot of them come from the uh, events and agenda cards as well, which we um, we didn't use for quite a while. And then we decided to add them into gaming and it really sort of changed the way the game played because you think you're about to do something amazing and then someone would just whip out a card and go, oh, actually, this is going to happen. <laughs> and there's been yeah. quite a few... Uh, really grumpy looking faces around the table <laughs> when that's happened before yeah that, that's actually worse with the new event agenda cards that are coming out um yeah. because the the, the size the size of the event agenda deck is going to about is going to probably quadruple um some of them are, are based purely around the campaign that's going to be coming out but um there's some really really horrible cards <laughs> In there, one of my favourite ones, the ones I, which is one of my favourite moments, is um, is a card where you can move a troll six inches, <laughs> and it basically meant that I put Bristlenose in the middle of three other characters, and he murdered all three of them in, one, in pretty much in one go. Um, that's, that's 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 a beautiful moment as well, actually, when you're in melee with more than one person with Bristlenose, and you, the last move you happen to get off insatiable hunger. Right, mate. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I think one of the games we played recently managed to off quite a few characters with Bristle Nose with uh, just luckily getting insatiable hunger. Uh, Yeah, really. um, I can't. I'm just trying to find the card now. I've got all my stuff here. Um, I did it with. I think. I think it's on the channel. I can never remember now because I played so many games. Which ones I've recorded? Which ones I haven't? But um with uh anya anya bartol mm. uh, have you got anya yeah we've got we haven't played with her yet actually yeah she she's really good um but if you get her if she turns into um strigger anya i think she's the one if you kill someone if you kill someone with her signature no, she hasn't got signature if you, if you kill someone she like gets all her energy back or gets like or gains like three energy, and I managed to go on a killing spree with her. I think she killed two people at the end of one turn, activated first, second turn, and killed another two people. She killed four people in two activations. <laughs> uh, it's just, I, mean, I, th- I think if you know, against Jack, I think he was just like, Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's a glass cannon because if she takes, she has, she's only got like six health or something. And um, I'll the cards now. So they've got like six health and um, no no defensive abilities whatsoever. But she will absolutely carve through stuff if you're not careful. Can't find the cards now, never mind. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, you do get, I, I've even had like really fun, funny moments and I've just like demoed it to people as well, which is a really good way of getting people into the game. Um, but Goblins are really good for funny moments, though. Um, yeah. They've got some pretty nasty stuff. It's something that Joe, that Joe said because I did, I did a podcast with Joe about just about goblins because he's a really good goblin player. He said that goblins goblins would never win a fair fight, which is why they never ever get into a fair fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds but they're unfair ones. Which is <laughs> <laughs> which is they 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 like to swing things in their favour first and then be a bit disgusting. The uh, the other new uh, event and agenda card I really liked was uh, uh, Cat Gut Stitches. 
uh, we can just bring, so it's like the mortician, just bring something yeah. back. Uh, that was the first time I got to experience that, uh, was uh, play testing it a little bit. And uh, I think it was Gotchgut, wasn't it? So yeah. I had Diana, and Diana was just like pouring all the damage onto Gotchgut. And they were like, yeah, yeah, finally removed Gotchgut. And I was like, yeah, really? Slap this guy down. He just came back again. <laughs> Start again. Obviously, the Freya activated that, healed him back up. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's the same with like, I mean, because in, in, with, with the old, uh, with the old um, event agendas, when you had um, n- ninja reactions was always a great one because it's like someone might might get like a massive hit off with like a melee attack, and they're like, yeah, oh, I just did eight damage, and it's like, nope, you've done none. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, burns a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, we've yeah. had that come out quite a lot. That one yeah. gets used very yeah. often, I, it? I like that one especially. Yeah. Being a fairy play, we quite fragile. Um, really useful uh, for the fencer, I found that one actually, because in case like, you get into a little bit of trouble with the fencer, because it's always in melee. Um, yeah. Whip out ninja reactions and yeah, lovely. It's kind of, I feel like it's kind of suitable for the fencer as well, because she's supposed to be especially quick and agile. She's basically a ninja, so it works. <laughs> Three yeah. ninja, yeah, fairy ninja. Um, cool. That's good. That's, it's nice to hear some. What I was very interesting when because I, I often ask people what fun moments they've got, and no one ever has the same. Which I think it's really really fun as well. No one ever repeats the same fun things that have happened. It's always something different, a different combination that someone's found that was hilarious or or good. And I think that's really I really like that about the game. Um, so. Next one I got is to, to change tact a little bit from playing the game to to painting. Um, like you said, some of the models, like particularly the fairies, obviously quite they are quite fiddly to put together, and we know they're quite fiddly to put together. It's mainly just because they're size more than anything else. But how, how have you found painting them? Um, hard, uh, daunting. Um, it's uh, it's a strange one. It was there's a lot of uh, uh, struggle, I guess, in even beginning to paint them because the models are so uh, beautiful, ornate, and the sculpts are just so amazing. You like really don't want to mess them up. So <laughs> I tend to just be looking at a model for a few days, painting it with my brain before I actually decide on what colour it's actually going to be. Um, and then I start to begin painting it and until I finish that model or set of models, it will absolutely consume me. I'll be going to bed and doing like bizarre mathematical equations with um, this red, with this orange, and into this white in this many layers. And uh, <laughs> it literally is like an everyday thing. Like it will be like wake up, first discussion of the day. Uh, have you decided what colours to do that moonstone model yet, or how are you going to do the base? <laughs> And there, and it just continues, and then, um, yeah, it's actually it's normally quite a few days before we even get into the painting studio and actually get anything done because it's yes. just. But it's worth it because um, it always ends up it, worth it. For all, like I know we're making it sound negative, but it's it's not at all. It's it really does push you um, as a painter, an artist, and um, even some of the ways I've uh, gone about doing particular things are completely changed, and it's. Um, yeah, we've learned a lot, a lot of new techniques and sort of how to to use colours effectively. 
Um, yeah, and our painting techniques have um, really jumped up and uh, been making a, a very uh, substantial effort on making nice bases for them now as well with nice little touches. Um, if you saw recently painted uh, Brynhilda and I made like a little butterfly to go in her hand. Um, because yeah, it looks amazing. Really good. Um, really yeah, impressive. Literally, literally took me a week to do that because like I was painting the, the paint so wet I had to like leave it for an hour and come back to it and do a little bit and leave it for an hour and come back to it. And um, it's very uh, frustrating. But when you actually get the end product, you're actually so like happy with it and I was so happy when I finished it I think I, I came in after completing it Lauren was working talking to a boss I ran into the house I'm just going yeah I've done it I've done it it's like head banging and like fist pumping everywhere like I've done my masterpiece I've done it I look over at Lauren and she's just like yeah, on a video call. <laughs> my boss I was like oh my god I'm so sorry <laughs> um but, uh, yeah, my so, boss appreciated it though, so it was all it worked out. It was fine. Yeah, even <laughs> making that little butterfly must have taken me about three, four hours, like all in all, and um, it's really fiddly and complicated, but it's it's so worth it in the end. Like it, it, it really is, and even some of the almost every model I paint, like the the next one I paint becomes my favourite uh, for some reason because I've spent so long. Um, looking at it and like making friends with it, I guess, and trying to trying to understand the 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 character that I see within the character. Um, yeah, it always always becomes my favourite, and uh, I really enjoyed painting you actually. Um, that, that was really uh, really good, and I just couldn't resist but put you in a lovely pink. <laughs> that really thrilled me. I was yeah, that's, that, that's why I wear. I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that Daniel's probably one of the simpler, one of the most simple models that there is actually of Moonstone. He's not got a lot of stuff on him, really. Mm. Um, it, we, fair enough. When we, because I mean, a lot of people know the story behind the model. Obviously, it's based on on me, and um, but I, I, I got to help. It's one of the one of the models I got to have a big input into the into the design of the actual model. Um, and I actually designed all his rules. Obviously, Tom is in charge, so he, he sort of tweaked some, and we play tested it, and he, he went to a few iterations. But we had a big discussion, me, Tom, and Richie, about whether to put any writing on his placard or leave it blank. It, it took us about two weeks to decide whether to leave to have writing on it or to leave it blank. And I'm really glad we left it blank because some of the stuff people have put on it is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The, the challenge, some of the signs, I was just reading them and just absolutely wetting myself. Uh, it was so funny, like everyone had something different to say and um, it's absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I think that's one yeah. of the nice things about, um, about painting is that everyone is so into it so you can post what you've been doing on the, on the various social groups and people will give you feedback and They'll tell you what they loved and maybe what you could change or, or do differently, but never in a negative way. It's always a really very positive and supportive kind of painting discussion, I've found. Yeah. Really nice because yeah. you can always get that. Yeah, the Moonstone, I mean, we, we've, we're, we're possibly going to talk later about the community, but the, moon, the Moonstone community in particular is 
probably the friendliest gaming community I've been part of, I reckon. Um, I mean, Warhammer community sites are just horrific. <laughs> I'm be part of sometimes some of the some of the trolls on there, but we've not really had that with. Um, I mean, I think what what helps with with Moonstone, um, it's still a small company, so there's only really me and Tom and Richie that kind of. Um, well, Tom is obviously the one that's he sort of I think he's the, the owns the company, but there's a, there's still a very personal touch in it, and that still kind of comes out in like the Facebook page. Like Tom replies to most people's posts. Yeah, um, you know, which is no, he's the owner of the company. He's the, the owner of Moonstone. He's the, the 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 inventor of the whole system and and in charge of all the models and things. But he still makes time to reply individually to a lot of people's posts, and he likes people's painting. He comments on people's painting and stuff, and he sets that really good example as as the owner of the company of, of being really positive about people's input. Um, I, think I don't think things that struck us right from the start when we when we met him, he was just obviously so passionate about uh, Moonstone, and that's one of the things that sold it to us. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Him and uh, um, who we presume to be Richie, um, they're just yeah, so. Uh, nice to us, um, had that real sort of like uh, cheeky kind of uh, feel about them and just gave a really good um, vibe for the game. Um, yes, we yeah, just got it immediately. Like even, and to be honest, even if the game was terrible, which it really isn't, um, it's worth getting, as you said, for the miniatures anyway. Uh, I was quite happy to give these miniatures uh, a paint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that definitely comes out um, really well. How, how how sort of nice the community is, and I think that does that does kind of come from the top, for, for want of a better word, really. That Tom and Richie are always really friendly and nice, and and when I sort of joined in and helped out more, obviously tried to be the same. Um, I think we've only had to ban about three people from the Facebook group, and most of them have been people who have just come on to try and sell something random. <laughs> um, to put up sales posts and we just deleted them. Like we don't mind people putting up the odd moonstone sales if someone's decided to leave the leave the moonstone hobby and just wants to sell them. We don't mind them putting the odd thing up on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. But some people have come on and like tried to sell the randomest stuff. There's <laughs> nothing to do with moonstone. It's like, nah, you're you're deleted, mate. You, you can go. But I don't think they've had to get rid of anyone for like their behaviour on there. So that's really good. Yeah, everyone's uh, everyone's really polite. Um, I think the other really interesting thing about this game, and I don't know whether it's because it's fresh or um, there isn't, um, there's, there's, there's no established like meta, so to speak, for this game. Like a lot of different options will work, and what I tend to find with some of the other things is this is how you play this faction or team or whatever you need to have xx and x models or there's no point you turning up because you're not going to win um, it has that um, attitude across a, a lot of different um tabletop uh, games and i kind of you know it, it kind of takes the fun out of the game whereas this yeah, there's just no real established meta like there are things that work a lot better together but people can pull things off with different sets of models um, it doesn't quite feel 
pay to win either. Like you can just get a couple of boxes and that will do you for a very long time with some of the other. Uh, Except it won't though, because. Uh, yeah, you'll end up buying yeah, more. You'll end 100%, up just wanting to buy them all, which <laughs> we did. But like, you, you don't need to to win. You could just get, you know, two, two boxes, which will cost you, you know, maybe 30 to 50 pounds, depending on what you buy. Um, and that essentially can do you. Um, with some of the other games, it's like, right, you need this 150 pound model. Um, you might even need two of them. You need like six units of this or, and two units of that. And, um, and all the equipment and certain size boards and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so it, yeah, it kind of, it, them sort of games sometimes feel a little bit play to win, but this really doesn't have that vibe and the, the no, um, say enforced meta, so to speak, is really, uh, really refreshing. Yeah, and it, I mean that's it's really nice to hear you say that actually because that's something that um, I mean something that, that Tom worked really hard at at the beginning when the game when he was first developing the game, and it's something that we've tried really hard to keep up. Um, we don't, and it's actually it, it comes down to just obscene amounts of playtesting. Um, I mean, I know we, we do slightly less playtesting on models now because I think we don't need to do as much because we kind of know the game better. But I remember Tom saying when he was doing the first Kickstarter, when he was releasing the first lot of fairies, gnomes and humans and goblins, he reckoned he did about 200 playtest games before the models had their final iteration. Um, and and that, that, that includes playtesting things like the, the, the melee deck the first time around and the arcane deck and things. But um, I mean, most models go through several iterations of playtesting. Um, uh, so we, we've done a lot, a lot of playtesting of models and what I think has been good as well is that um, Tom's not been afraid to update models a little bit when they have appeared too strong so for example like um, C6 Stew um, when he first came out he was obscenely, he was far too good um, he was, I don't know if, if you, I don't know if he was changed by the time you, you two started but um, he had melee four, arcane four, three inch range, additional loads of additional damage. He just like I, I used to take him; he'd murder fancy hat in one round of combat, um, which was just ridiculous. Um, and his, his signature move was too good, and we basically just made him. We just tweaked him down a little bit, and now he's still good enough to put. Still good enough. You'd want to put him into troops, but not not op. Um, but I do like the fact that any changes Tom has decided to make to characters have been have a been play tested. So we play test the changes before they're introduced. We don't just change things and go that 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 that'll be okay now. They still get play tested three or four times, um, and they're only ever minor tweaks. I don't know. Like you guys said you didn't play Guild Ball, but Guild Ball used to like completely change characters, like change the entire card to try and make it more even. And it's like, well, it's not the same character now. Um, and the other thing, you, the other thing you said about like the, being able to buy a troop box and being able to run with it again, that's very specific in the design process. That every troop box, like the three models in every troop box, are supposed to play together. So that's the whole point. Is that you, and that's, that does actually make the game really easy to sell. You say to someone, "You just need these three. These three work well together. That's all you need to play." Yeah. Um, so yeah, the troop boxes are designed to go together, which which is nice. Um, Cool. Uh, do, do you do any paint? Do, do, do you do any of the painting, Lauren, or does Chris do most of it? 
Um, Chris is the painter. Um, I have painted and I've been painting for a long time, um, but when I was introduced to Games Workshop, actually, as a teenager, that's when I started painting, but I don't have, um, always have the, the time or the ability to paint. I've got a disability that causes problems with my hands and my uh, arms and shoulders. Well, all of me, basically. But obviously that's what you need for painting. So sometimes I'm not able to. So I like to um, give it a go, but I haven't actually finished a Moonstone model yet. <laughs> I've got three of them. Yeah. Three on the go at the moment, uh, which is the Fire Spitter, El Capitano, and Diana. Um, so hopefully you might see something finished from me soon. But yeah, it's, it's very much uh, Chris's domain because he does such a great job of them. Um, painting them, we're quite happy to let him carry on with them and just uh, have a discussion about how they're going to look. But and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it works well for both. Yeah, of us. <laughs> yeah those discussions aren't really useful because. I mean, my my wife has absolutely no interest whatsoever in gaming at all, and thinks that I'm a little kid for playing it. <laughs> um, I don't I don't have anyone home to discuss it with. I have to have a lot, lot of text conversations with my friend Jack about how I'm going to paint stuff. It's not quite the same. <laughs> um, cool. Um, so the next thing I was going to get onto is is a chance for you to go ahead and plug yourselves, which is basically how you found recording the game and the process. Some of the like. Basically, just a chance to talk a little bit about Dicing with Life. And um, I've not really got any questions for you, really. It's just go ahead and say whatever you like. Okay. Well, go ahead with it. I suppose the first thing to mention about Dicing with Life is yeah, we are, we are represented on social media, but we are an actual uh, games club. So uh, we've been running for three years now. Um, started off, uh, I had some friends who had a venue that they just wanted. Um, someone to fill in very quickly for an actor that had pulled out the, the day before um, and they needed something to happen. So I said, well, why don't I run a games night? And it's just grown from there. Um, we run it <clears throat> as a social inclusion project. So it's about bringing the community together. Um, we offer outreach services. So if people are nervous or anxious about coming along, I mean, it can be quite daunting when you walk into a room of people that's already playing games and you don't know anyone. Um, so we'll offer a service to actually meet up with people on a one-to-one -one basis before they come along and have a chat to them about what games they're into and what they can expect and be a friendly face when they turn up. And that's been uh, really successful. So we grew from just having uh, one night a month for the first three months uh, to having to being asked to run it weekly. And the group grew from being just me to uh, over a thousand local members. So. Um, that's the basis we've come from. And as the, the group's grown and grown, we started doing skill sharing uh, workshops. So um, Chris might talk a bit more about that, about what he's planning with uh, miniature painting and skill sharing. And um, we do uh, things with uh, building terrain. We've been building some boards. Um, and then we decided to sort of uh, branch back out into the social media stuff a bit more to sort of share what we're doing as a group with the wider community. Because um, I think there's so much enthusiasm for gaming locally and wider and particularly for games like Moonstone which is one of the games that we've chosen to focus on and really push because we think it's such a great game it's like it's accessible um, it's easy for people to pick up and you don't have to invest that much money in, into it uh, one of the things about our games club is that we want it to be accessible to everyone and for games to just be shared and be fun it's not about politics or 
um, who likes what. It's about everyone just coming together and sharing their love of gaming, and it's worked really well, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, it's really, really nice uh, community. Um, so we're looking at going, uh, starting the second night up, basically. We've got a, we, we do actually have a venue. Um, yeah, we were due to start the week that lockdown started, actually. Yeah, so. the... the, the, the uh, <laughs> The lockdown occurred the, the, the day before we was going to do our first night, basically. Um, but what we wanted to do at this one is um, focus a little bit more on um, competitive uh, gaming, not so much in uh, necessarily a competitive way, like more in like a, a fun way. But we also wanted to run uh, tournaments and things like that as well. Uh, in terms of skill sharing, we do things like three D printing. Um, painting and uh, one of the things I'm really looking forward to doing is uh, having like a maybe a game like Zombicide uh, where the people who come to the club actually paint the miniatures themselves and that's like a community painted board game for the community um, I just think that'd be kind of nice that like all the people go there and have a part in setting this up basically and um, bringing a little bit more life to the table um, yeah, we've got so we've got lots of uh, events that are planned that have just been put on hold for a bit, but they'll be upcoming soon. And that's kind of been reflected over into what we're doing with the social media. So we really wanted to share Moonstone more, more widely, and we have so much fun playing it, and we love building the boards for it. And Chris loves painting all the characters. Um, so we decided that would be a good one to start with uh, the YouTubing for, um, just to share that with as many people as possible and let them see what. A, a great game it is. 100%. <laughs> awesome. I mean, that sounds absolutely fantastic. That sounds, I mean, good one, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, that sounds really awesome. I'm really impressed with your, like, social inclusion stuff. I mean, um, it's really, really great to hear that there's a gaming club that goes the extra mile for people that might have problems with anxiety or, like, meeting new people and... Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there with, with anxiety and depression who can't sort of get out of the house and having having a, a group like that that's prepared to go the extra mile to, to help those people is just fantastic. Um, it's really, really, really nice to hear that. Um, I remember I remember when you when, when you joined the Goblin Scheme, I remember you mentioning about um, that you were in a club with a lot of members, but um, it's really exciting to hear that that uh, as it's not just a normal gaming club it does something a bit different and it, it goes that extra mile for its members so um yeah gaming clubs do that it's just not as overt but from my experience with um with being a member of gaming clubs there's always that person that will go out and and talk to the person who's sitting there who doesn't know anyone and i think that's one of the great things about the gaming community and it's a lot like the moonstone community it's just everyone's always willing to help other people and it's a great way to build confidence and meet new friends um, is sitting down and playing a game with them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll have to try and, um, when when this whole coronavirus thing has decided to bugger off, <laughs> I'll have to try, I'll have to try be, I'd love to come, I know it's, it's a bit of a drive for me, but I'd, I'd love to come down to one of your, because um, it isn't that far for me to come no, down. I'd love to come uh, yeah, we'd love to have you visit. Yeah, definitely, yeah. and uh, definitely have to have a game of uh, Moonstone. Um, yeah, wins. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> You're great giving away yeah. your secrets now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because really, I, I, I think I'm sort of 
quite good at Moonstone, but I do still lose quite often. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, it was yeah. the great thing about when we're like, because I obviously I played with my friend Jack a lot, and he's an interesting person to play games against because he's. Um, we played Guild Ball together as well. And when we started playing Guild Ball, I beat him like the first 15 times we played. Um, and then it became really even. Then yeah. it was like really, really... And actually, I found it quite hard to beat him after that. It was the same with Moonstone. Like I beat him probably quite comfortably the first sort of, 10 times we played. And then, I don't know if something just clicked in him or he just got a few other... Got things. Now, now when we play, like quite a lot of our games end in draws. Um mm. Because we actually just find it, and, and there's, we've had a couple of games where we've been in like sudden death turn eight, and we've gone just, just leave it there because both the tactics we're using are really sound, and we can't actually beat each other. Um, but um, I, the first time I played Tom, I actually beat him, which I like to remind him of quite often. <laughs> I, I, I would as well. Yeah, <laughs> I think I would. <laughs> Actually, me and Tom are quite evenly matched. Um, Joe, who I who I played at a Bristol tournament, he, he beat me quite comfortably, and I think he beats Tom quite a lot. He's a very very good player. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know what? The, the, the thing with Moonstone though is, I I, I think part of it's because I do a lot of playtesting, so don't necessarily use the same troop that much. But um, particularly when I'm when I'm playing a tournament, I do I do kind of go a bit ultra competitive, not in a nasty way. I still I don't like people. I don't like to win because people don't know the cards, for example, so I'll always try and help my opponent in terms of giving them the information they need about my about my cards. But if I'm not playing in a tournament, I don't particularly care whether I win or not. Because um, I think one of the things as well, which again, I've almost certainly mentioned before in previous podcasts about that's different with Moonstone and other games, is you have to, you have to develop a relationship of some sort with the person you're playing against. Because um, yeah. you're not just rolling dice to see what's happened, because you, you're, you're trying to read their body language with the cards I might be playing and you, you're, you're, you're constantly having to read your opponent um, I was actually uh, joking with the guys the other day that I might play wearing a mask next to my <laughs> box because they always know <laughs> they always know when I'm bluffing <laughs> but then, then maybe you can use that to fool them at some point you just need to learn your poker face and then and then they'll think you're bluffing but you're not or they'll you know that's, that is a way of is, because I remember there's another guy, I mean, I haven't played with him again for, for a while, obviously, because of coronavirus, but another guy that's been on the channel a few times, he said to me once, he, I just, he said to me once, Dan, but you never, you never bluff. And then I played a game where I bluffed almost every time. <laughs> because he, thinks, he thought I didn't bluff very often. At the end of the game, I told him, you know, I got through about six bluffs in that game. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's really funny because when you play against the same person, um, you really have to think about what you've done with that person before and how they've reacted to some of your reactions. It becomes really, uh, really funny to play against the same people. Yeah. Uh, Which like, we've been doing a lot of, obviously, yeah, in the last um, few months. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, reading each other's body language and, like, just sometimes they know when I've got a trick up my sleeve, when I move, like, a fairy in a certain way and I've just got a big grin on my face and they just... <laughs> I'm not even going to start in this battle, so I'm just going to leave you to do whatever you want to do. Like, sometimes that that threat of just being a bit of a git will just like, like get them to leave you alone. Like I played one one game where I, I didn't even come into combat with anyone because everyone was like, I don't want to fight him because I won't be able to finish what I start in a single round, and he's just going to 
do so much stupid stuff to me that I just leave them alone instead. And there you go. <laughs> it just make, make, makes my day easier. <laughs> and I was just like really fragile alliance in moving these models around going, oh, I'm sort of in range. Shall I leave them? Shall I initiate it? And yeah, it's quite, quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, and, and actually that's one of the things interesting about playing a tournament is, is you can't do that with your opponent. And actually whenever I played, I played, Three or four tournaments, and I've I've run four tournaments. I've only played in one of the ones that I've run. But um, when you play in a tournament, you have to kind of fall back on the maths, basically. Um, You have to fall back on what is the possibility he's actually got that, because you can't try and read your opponent. You can't. They they, they might have a big smug grin on their face and not be bluffing because they're actually just being silly and and not not you know. And I and I was surprised when I played one tournament how much people called my bluff, and I thought, do I look like someone that's lying all the time? <laughs> so I constantly called my bluff, and I just almost never did. And I was like, I was like, there was, there was one, but the last game I played against the guy was I had my fairies against humans, and he called bluff almost every time I played it. And I was like, by about turn three, I was like, dude, have you not got a hint yet? <laughs> I'm probably not going to bluff. <laughs> but by that point, I'd kill, by that point, I'd killed four out of five of his troops, and made, made very little difference. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we do have that with one of our housemates, don't we? Um, so that when we play four player games, he will just say bluff. It's just constant bluff, isn't it? <laughs> and then Chris will keep pulling out his reds, and the fairies will keep doing terrible things. But somehow, our housemate always seems to win. And uh, it's like the other day, I think it was the game we filmed, wasn't it? And it's like two of the, or it might be the one that I wrote up, but two of the witches. Uh, he was playing witches and two of them just died really early on and he still won. No, he didn't. I won that one. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the games is all kind of meld into one. <laughs> yeah, I know. You play a lot of games. It's hard to remember, isn't it? It's definitely hard to remember. Um, he does win an awful lot. He does. Um, in, he does. In very or, random or draws with me. Yeah. Or draws with Chris. <laughs> but that's normally because he and Chris have set up a sneaky alliance. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's that's also a really fun thing to do. Like, yeah. and that, um, have you got have you have you have you seen the campaign rules yet? Have you tried the campaign at all yet or not? Uh, I think we've seen them, haven't we? Is this with the? Um, uh, yeah. Is it? I, I don't want to say too much because uh, I, I don't know what uh, what people know. But so, is this for the alternative event and agenda cards? Is it that campaign? Well, so, yes. So basically, yeah. So the, the the new the new. I mean, most people because we I've, I filmed it and sort of talked about it. So I think Tom was quite open about it. But basically, in the next book, there's going to be a, a way of playing a campaign. Um, and in in the campaign, basically, you you play. You don't play as a troop, so you don't have to. You don't, you don't pick goblins and have to play as goblins the whole time. You play as a wizard, and you're basically hiring the troops. So you can play as any troop you want in any game. You don't have to pick a character and play as them. You're this person controlling people instead. And what you can do in the game is basically it's all open in terms of screwing over your opponent. It's all open in terms of making alliances and then breaking them. (laughs) Um, I promise not to hurt you in this game and then just murder them anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. quite a lot with us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so it's quite it's quite sort of fun because you, you can make alliances and then keep them and then break them whenever you want halfway through a game and things and um you can like 
literally like beg, borrow, and steal. You, you could take them. Well, if, you, if I if I give you a moonstone, will you not attack this character this game? And I go, yeah, yeah, of course I won't. And then you can kill them anyway. <laughs> uh, we had, like nothing, nothing is binding. So um, uh, our housemate made alliances with two other people who were going to play, and we was basically just going to pick whatever one he felt best went with his troop. So he's just secure. <laughs> securing two alliances just for the sake of getting one just so he could pick between them and it's just like it's that's bad man that's real bad <laughs> it, it didn't work for him though because that that, that that fails if the two people know you know you've done it <laughs> uh we we only knew about halfway during the game i think about halfway through um but i was all right with that because uh i, I think i won that one so <laughs> games are for me yeah yeah yeah. yeah, that <laughs> happens quite a lot. <laughs> ah. um, cool. Yeah, it's it's is is that something? Did did you know? I meant to ask this earlier. Actually, did you know when you bought the game that you could play it three and four player? Yeah, we yeah, did. we did know that, and that's one of the reasons because uh, we'd moved in. Like uh, everyone who lives in this house met through the games club, so we're very gaming heavy in this house. Um, so having games that we can play with all of us. Is a big selling point. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is that is often a good selling point in the game. Actually, people will say, "Oh, we know." You know, when I say you can play a three, four player, they're like, "Oh, that's amazing." I've got a couple of friends who would like to do that. Um, and obviously, three, three being four player in particular, it's, it's so different playing a four player game to playing a two player game. Yeah. Um, I think that's one such- of the things that we found is. Uh, like the the way that you choose troops and the kind of synergies that you have and whether you're playing two-headed giant or all versus all it all really impacts on what you're playing and how you play yeah the 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 list building in this game is um incredibly interesting because if you were to look at um you know hordes like warhammer uh 40k whatever the less you take, the easier it is to build a list. And in this game, it's just the complete opposite. Like, yes. you, you are just stressing because you're like, right, if I take this one, I can do this, this and this. But then, oh, well, I won't be able to do that because I haven't got that model. And like, so you have to kind of really uh, think carefully about, you know, what three models you're you're going to take. And that really adds to it as well. Like sometimes I've been sitting there for about, an hour, an hour and a half, deciding between am I going to take uh, Belladonna or Foxglove? Like, what, what's, what's going to benefit me the most? Or, yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting. I found it very strange compared to all the other games I've ever played. I suppose it's also like uh, we don't really know who's playing what in advance. So when you've got options like everyone's going to be playing something completely different in a four-player game, it's a bit different to knowing oh, I'm going to face fairies. Um, and Chris generally knows I'm going to bring out goblins. So yeah, we, we generally know what factions um, we're going to play, but we always uh, present the models um, after we've set out the table. Um, so we've got like a blind draw. We kind of find that um, quite interesting. Uh, with, with some of the things you can do, and sometimes it makes alliances uh, much more worth it at, like, compared to other times. Uh, whether they've got the same faction and different models or a completely different faction. So you get a lot more mulligans to call for uh, the moonstones as well, which has caused some interesting 
things like we'll we'll sort of uh, keep rolling them and going no I don't like that mulligan someone says mulligan and then you get to like the final mulligan and the spread of the moonstones is terrible and the gnomes <laughs> players going yes this is really great for me <laughs> and you're stuck with it because uh, yeah what, what, why I've done yeah I mean in in a in a tournament you have to kind of do it like that but I, we we often like if we get a really a couple of mulligans and it's not going I often just kind of give one a little flick <laughs> yeah. kind of in the middle and then because because we're only ever playing like friendly games we often just like just move a couple to make them easier and um, i have tried using because tom did create because there was a lot of pe people are always in one of two camps really with the way the moonstones are dropped um most people like the moonstone drop and then there's always there's, there are a few people who, who like there to be a set a set way of dropping them yeah. um so literally, like the Tom created some maps where there's specific points on the board where you put the moonstones at specific depths, um, and they do kind of make the game fairer in a sense that it's literally for a two-player game anyway. It's completely equal where they where you are, um, but me and Jack have found that we don't like it as much. I mean, we obviously mainly play two-player because. You then take away. You then don't have the benefit of who's deploying. You don't have that decision to make about do I choose deployment or do I choose the initiative because it's the movement in the same place, and that's a big part of the game. Really, particularly in two-player. Uh, obviously, in three-player, you don't have the same kind of initiative stuff. But um, I mean, the, in two-player, it just feels a bit weird. The, the, the moonstones actually drop in, um, and even the way they arrange themselves, uh, I find. Um, so interesting about the game it makes every game you play different um, the tactics you have to go about uh, collecting them has to change you know sometimes they're really clustered together so it is, do you just pour in there first try and dig them or run away or do you just stand there and guard them and smash your opponent or if they're well scattered maybe it's not worth you getting into combat maybe it's worth you dig up you know Three and then you fight over the fourth one um, because your your opponent's got three. Um, maybe it's so one sided that one one character is going to win. So then the other like the other players have to kind of fight over what's left over. Basically, um, yeah. it really, really makes for interesting games and it it does kind of um, make it hard to win if it's not in your favour. But uh, that's. That's what I like about it. <laughs> I think the the remove from play option, uh, when, once we uh, heard about that, um, that changed things up a lot. Uh, whereas before you'd be running around trying to protect your moonstones. Um, now we have a lot of instances where people just grab moonstones and then run away yeah, yeah. <laughs> off the boards and just sit there for half the game uh, with their moonstones, happy that no one else can get them. So, yeah, yeah that's changed tactics yeah. up a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was obviously a tactic that the, I don't know the, the known player in your last video. Uh, who, who, like, who can blame him though? Who can blame him? Like, no, no, you know, yeah, it's a way to win the game, isn't it? so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I think that kind of we kind of talked to because one of my last point was talking about the community, but we've kind of talked about the community a fair bit. The last one I've got, Chris, is something that I think I think it was you mentioned it i can't remember which one now about the narrative in it um yeah. the of the of moonstone so was there something in particular you wanted to say about it or ask about it or um um so 
I just wanted to say that uh, I just I just love it. It's um, it's so it's just so brilliant. Um, and say that the four of us in the house, whenever we uh, but when we got uh, access to book two, um, everyone come and sat in my bedroom and I read it out to them like a story. And it was like I just felt like a granddad telling like this story to all my kids or something. It was really strange, but um, it's uh, it's really. Um, really quite beautiful, like the the, the way it's written. This um, it's really charming and um, like whimsical, but it's got really dark undertones to it. Uh, very much like um, your your old sort of fairy tales. Um, yeah, it's just um, yeah, it's really really nice. We we really yeah. Enjoy I suppose it. we it was more about talking about uh, what involvement do you have in that? Obviously, um, we know that you uh, helped with the brother Daniel or you kind of led on the brother Daniel, but do you have any uh, involvement with the narrative? Like how much input do you get into that? Yeah, so um, so Richie is in charge, it's kind of in charge of the main, the main story arc that goes through, it starts in book one, it's going to continue in book two with, with the Leshevar. He's in, kind of in charge of that story arc. Um, I've, I'm basically, uh, I help with kind of input on ideas um i've in terms of I'm trying to think where to go next so like, like in book one so in the hardback book that you can get now uh richie was the one that led on the narrative the main narrative through that and then they got a few other writers so when you when you read through the book you'll see there's a few other people that have written bits i think tom's dad's written some tom tom did, did a few bits um i mean ultimately tom is the person in charge of moonstone so everything goes through him um, he generally speaking, he's pretty happy to leave, to leave Richie to do what he likes because he does have amazing ideas and his writing is lovely. Um, sometimes Tom sometimes has to tweak things here and there, but he doesn't really interfere too much with the narrative. Um, and then more recently, I think more recently, it's been about a year now, but um, Richie found us another person, someone called um, uh, Susie, um, uh, who's now doing some of the writing as well. Richie's kind of guiding the narrative, but she's doing some more of the writing as well. She's a really, I really, really like her writing. Um, and then I, I do some, I, but I, I just kind of do some random bits and pieces. I basically said to Tom once, I'd, I'd like to do some of the, some writing here and there. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. So I, 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 I stayed clear of the main narrative. I kind of said, I don't, I don't want to do with the main narrative because I don't want to dilute it or affect it. It's your, it's your thing, Richie. I'd like you to keep doing that, but I'd love to do some like the character bios and, and things like that. So I've written, Probably almost a dozen of the character, the character bios for the characters coming in book two. Lovely. Um, so I've written, like, I, like I've, I wrote Brother Daniels. I also wrote Kavanaugh as well, because Kavanaugh, um, the the model is not based on anything, but the the the, the, the name Kavanaugh is is my friend Jack, who does does all the gaming with me. His name's Jack Kavanaugh. Right. Um, so so Tom named, Tom was nice enough to name it after him because. Um, uh, he he obviously had a huge part in a lot of playtesting and um, and the channel with me and and promoting the game. So Tom was happy to name a character after him. So I also did Kavanaugh's bio as well. Um, and I don't know I've done now. I did I did I did all three of the human pirates that are coming out. I did their bios. Um, they're quite fun. Yeah, um, I played I did, the other day actually we were playtesting them. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote. I, I wrote the. I think my favourite one that I've done. Uh, I mean, Bar Daniels was nice, but 
Brother Daniel's bio was part of a short story that I wrote for the Literable Kickstarter. I did it as just a fun little thing to put in the Kickstarter, and I used a bit of it for Daniel's bio. Um, just fun. But actually, I think the bio, the one I was most proud of, I think I did it on the on the podcast. It was one of the little stories that I read was was the Powder Monkey one, which is called the Drunken Monkey Stance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it's an instruction manual on, on how to be a drunk monkey fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was everyone that that. Just, even if they don't play Moonstone, everyone <laughs> needs to know that. Yeah, I just, I just I thought it was quite funny and I quite liked doing that one. So the other thing, the other big involvement that I've had in terms of that. So, I, I mean, basically, when when Tom hires artists to give artwork for new characters, he gives he gives the background on a character. He's got an artist that does the artwork and then he hands it to the sculptors. He's got a few people working with sculpting. What Tom does, he he sends me and Richie the initial sketches for his for our, our input. And he also sends us the initial renders for the 3D models and we give our input. Um, like I said, it does all it all in the end it comes down to Tom, but he, I think he appreciates the the opinion. Um but apart from that, my my other thing that I've done is I I wrote most of the scenarios that are going to be in book two. Um Obviously, like I say, Tom, Tom tweaks them, but we've got three, there'll be nine, nine new scenarios in the new book. So three lots of three scenarios. Um, and I had quite a big involvement in writing, in writing a lot of them. Um, what we try and do with the scenarios, they try and they try and follow a narrative, which you'll notice in the, if you look at the scenarios in the in the current hardback book, but in the second book, we've taken that even a step further and and really really put a narrative in place for those for the scenarios so there's one set that's based around the fairies and diana and basically this moonstone gets stolen from from her and she gets really angry and goes and kills a lot of fairies <laughs> um, yeah we actually uh, read that and we decided to um get some new d4s actually we actually got like a jumbo d4 and uh, we was thinking about some games where like the jumbo d4 is uh like worth two or three regular moonstones but you can only move like an inch with it. So it's like quite right. quite dangerous carrying it, but obviously it's w- worth a lot more. Um, oh, of course. It's okay, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the, another thing I really like about this game is how quickly you can make changes into the game. Um, I've got a yeah. few ideas for um, particular types of plants and things that behave differently when you're near them. And um, you know, maybe do a few videos on that, obviously like, completely unofficial and made by us and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's the great thing. That is the great thing about it. I mean, like, the scenarios that I'd come up with were just things that I just made up playing playing the game. I hadn't necessarily put a lot of thought into them. It's just like, oh, you could do that with this. That'd be great fun. And Tom's gone, we'll do a scenario with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, the one is, I, it, there, is a, there is a video of it on the channel quite a, long, quite a way back, but um, it's probably the scenario that I'm most pleased with that I made, which is the... Um, the pirate scenario where you where you're on a ship um yeah we really enjoyed that one that was good bedtime reading yeah yeah, yeah it's an absolute the, the scenario when you if you you can only really play it to play i fully i fully recommend playing it because it's just such a laugh um <laughs> it's so ridiculously imbalanced because whoever goes first just murder someone immediately because you start <laughs> next to your opponent you start and, and the board's only one foot by two foot so you yeah. can get to any but there's a really fun dynamic in it where someone can just randomly fall off the side of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that I look forward to giving that one a go, definitely. Yeah, I, 
I do recommend that one just for a bit of fun. It's it's even more fun if you're a bit drunk yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can uh, we can muster that. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I just wanted to ask you. Yeah, yeah and the, the last thing is that I, I'll I'll be doing a bit uh, like a final. I'll be helping Tom do a final edit of stuff as well because in a, in a previous life before I became a teacher I was actually an editor, um, so I help out with some of the editing as well, but. Um, yeah, yeah, and I do, I do, I do do quite a lot with with, with Moonstone, but um, it's pretty much just out of an absolute love of the game. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've never played a game. I mean, I've said it loads of times on the on on the channel and on the podcast. It's by far my favourite game I've ever played. I just absolutely love it. Um, and I made friends with Tom and Richie really quickly when I met them. Um, and uh, I've I've seen Tom. A few times sort of not necessarily just because of moonstone and we get on like a house on fire and um it, it, it more feels like i'm helping a friend out now rather than helping out a gaming company um yeah. so it's like more than happy to do do anything really so yeah yeah, yeah. just just wanted to ask one more thing uh, when are you doing your next uh, uh mooncast on narrative because uh again they've been really fun to listen to throughout the house yeah. um okay yeah I, I could do one i, I was going to do the last one i did which was like the three the three little short story things that i read like i did, did the poem and that was that was a i was originally going to do one called poetry of moonstone because there's, there's loads of poems throughout and i was just going to read some of the poems so mm. i could do that actually. I'll, I'll, it depends whether you want do you want new do you want new narrative happy with whatever whatever <laughs> you got mate whatever you got yeah i like to i bet I, I only did those literally because because it's lockdown and i couldn't do anything else <laughs> but, um, i feel like we I, need to about uh tea cakes yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, tea cake one. Um, I've been I've been prodding gently to try and get get my wife to come and record one with me so I can get a female voice in. Yeah. Not overly keen so far, but I might have to bribe her with a bottle of wine or something and see if she'll do it. I mean, uh, that's. I mean, um, even if you're not interested in the game itself, I I believe the the stories behind it are just um, so. Uh, universal I guess because they're kind of stories told in a different way what we've been told before so I reckon you just like re read some of it first and uh, maybe tell her it's not for Moonstone but for something completely different <laughs> it's for one of your school projects or something <laughs> yeah yeah I could try she, she's fairly clever so she probably does that pretty quickly but, um, but she's very clever but yeah um yeah, I have tried to get. I've, I've, I when when lockdown first started, and I was like, oh god, I'm not going to play Moonstone for ages. I tried to get, I've, and I'm still trying to get her to play Moonstone because um, she quite likes playing board games. So I said, if you like playing board games, you'll probably like Moonstone because yeah. it's basically like a large board game. But I haven't quite managed it yet. She has. She did say at one point, she said, "Look, if, you, if I if I say I'll play, will you shut up?" I would have to tell you to play. <laughs> But, um, it's like yeah, you've got a lunch, you can always go back on it. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a alliance, yeah. She, she, she has, funny enough, forgotten about that promise that she would play. <laughs> but, um, 
But I mean, it's 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 it's, it's not actually that easy for us to find time, weirdly enough, because because um, I'm a teacher, so I I start work at seven thirty, I finish at six, I work weekends, I work in my evenings. She works in a children's home, so she does shift work, and we have two small children as well. So yeah. it's quite hard to find time to do anything, to be honest. But I would like to I would like to, to, to give it a go. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely do it. Another... In a couple of years. <laughs> Your, your kids will be old enough to start playing with you. Well, yeah, I, definitely. I mean, whether my wife likes it or not, they are definitely going to be gamers. Um, uh, <laughs> my, my, my daughter loves, loves painting models with me. Um, uh, a couple of days ago, actually, I, I, she said, can I do some painting? It was just, just me and her because my wife had taken my little boy out for, to visit some friends. And um, she said... I do some painting. I said, oh, what painting do I do? I said, oh, can I paint some models, Daddy? And I've got loads of, like, 40K models lying around that I either don't care about enough or not never going to paint. So I gave her a whole load of, uh, like, blue horrors, and she was just laughing, and I was there painting my own models, and she was painting with me. So I've already got her with the painting. Um, and because I'm a teacher, I've already, and I was talking to the teacher to read as well. So as soon as I get the reading in, when she learns to read, it's going to be moonstone all the way. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. That, that, that's really her only barrier to it now is that she can't read the cards. So I got once once she can learn to read, I think she'll want to play it anyway. But um, yeah, I'll definitely be getting my children into it, whether my wife likes it or not. It's tough. I'm going to get them into it. Um, yeah. Oh well, yeah, no, but yeah, no, I definitely. I'll, I'll definitely. If you, I'm glad, glad you enjoyed me reading the narratives. I'll definitely do another one if you, if you like them. Um, if nothing else, to thank you for coming onto the podcast with me. I'll, um, I'll read now. I'll, I'll find a couple of narratives to read for you. Um, definitely. Um, I also uh, this may come as a, as a bit of a surprise for you, but I heard you saying that you haven't got you haven't got a Gwendolyn model yet. That's correct. Yeah, we yeah. Well, I was thinking before I did this podcast uh, as a thank you. A for coming on the podcast and being such good goblins and doing all the stuff you're doing. I have a spare Gwendolyn model I'm gonna send you. Oh wow. <laughs> um yeah, you can see my face. Uh yeah, I am no, so no, excited and no. so happy. Boris is and... gonna be devastated when I walk him off the table every turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's also the limited edition one as well. So even when she comes out for retail, it won't be this version. So uh, after we finish recording, I'll, I'll you, you, you give me your address and I'll send you a Gwendolyn model as a thank you. Oh, thank you. That's, that's so kind of you. Um, I'm really happy with that. Thank you. I like the way that he yeah. assumes, just naturally assumes that it's definitely his. I'll fight. <laughs> it's for you, Lauren. It's for you. It's your model. I'm going to give it to you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. That's, I think that's been almost. I know we had a break in the middle because the recording stopped. I think it's been almost two hours, which has been great. Yeah. Um, but it's been really, really nice having you guys on. It's been lovely talking to you. Um, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have you on again at some point. Maybe we can talk about. You know what? You know what? Actually, if if you wouldn't mind, and again, I'm throwing this on you again. So be, by all means, say no. But I'd really love to do a podcast where we talk about one of your games that you've recorded. Oh. Um... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah, so like, like, it doesn't have to be anywhere near as long, but I quite like discussing battle reports. It'd be nice to discuss one that I've not done. Okay. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting to, 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 do, to, to do that as a podcast at some point. I mean, no no rush at the moment, but that could be quite quite fun to do. Mm, um, yeah. 
we've got another uh, a written battle report coming out this week, and then we'll be doing the next filming. So, yeah. did, um, did you read the last um, written battle report we done? No, I've not done the, the last written one yet. It's on my to do list to read the last the last written one. Yeah. Um, so Lauren's got this um, really nice um, narrative written style of it. So it's not like any other battle report you'd see where oh blah 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 jogged up four inches and used this move. It's uh, almost like a story. The whole thing is um, really nice to to read. Actually, like it might you might not get a sense for where everything is on the battlefield, but you'll get an idea of. Uh, sort of actions that are taken for it. It's really nice. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to read that then. Definitely, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. <laughs> I might even read it out on the podcast just for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, um, I'll sort of, I'll stop the recording in a second. Um, but obviously, we'll, we'll, we can have a bit more of a chat afterwards. But yeah, so I'll stop recording in a second. So thanks a lot, guys, for coming on. No, uh, it's been lovely. And yeah, just true. as a last thing for the people listening, do uh, obviously if you're in the the Romford area, check out Dicing with Life when it when when it's available to open again. But definitely check out the um, YouTube channel and the Facebook pages and things as well. Give these give these guys some support because um, they're doing some good, good stuff for Moonstone. So thanks a lot for coming on, guys. It's been great. No, thank you. Thank you. Have, have a great night. Ha, ha, ha.